Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. We're going to head over to uh, Mesquite and another Jim. How are you today? I, I ceramic tiled the entire house about 10 years ago. My wife wanted one of those laid uh, hardwood floors, you know, the laminate type. Yeah. But I've been told that the grout lines would cause inventions in it probably and i don't want to chip that whole house up with the tile i've got room that i could just put it over it but how would i do what would i do with the grout lines you know they're a little bit lower than the top of the tile. right so is the the uh, tile staying adhered to the concrete real good i mean it's not you're not hearing hollow sounds or anything correct nope no they did a good job of, of masking it down and it's solid. Okay. You would just use a floor leveler over it, and basically what that does is that fills in all the grout lines, any of the low spots, and makes it where you can put your uh, laminate floor over it, and it, it'll be just fine. Okay. The right, only time you can time. do that, though, you know, it, it, and I don't typically recommend this because um, if the tile starts coming loose or anything... It, that that it's just it'll ruin your laminate floor as well. Well, it's been there ten years, and there's not a loose spot on it anywhere. That, okay, that we've come across. Yep. All right. Well, I appreciate it. You bet. You take care. And, and I, I will. I will tell you this. Uh, my mom's got tile floors in her home, and she's wanting to switch over as well. And we will more than likely do that in her home because. It is a whole lot less disruptive to do that, and she's got no loose tiles either. Um, because when you do pull up the tile floor, it's going to be dusty. It does make a mess, but it is a better way to do it and more permanent. Most tile floors really don't start having an issue till they're around 20 years old. So you may want to keep that in mind if you're you're taking a look at doing something like that. But... Uh, in order to chip up the old tiles, you know, they make regular scrapers to pick them up. The problem is the mastics they use, they've got to be cleaned up as well. And you still end up putting floor leveler in order to take all the highs and lows out of the concrete. So if your tile is down good, you don't mind taking that risk. Just float over the, the tile that smooths everything out and you'll be good to go. So just a, a, a quick thing, you know, I, I do the radio show. I do two hours here on WBAP. I do two hours across the rest of the state of Texas. And I get interviews at, at different times uh, about things in the construction industry. And yes, was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday, I guess. Uh, I did an interview for uh, one of the stations down in Houston. And what they were questioning is some of the newspapers... Uh, in particular, the Wall Street Journal had a, a story out about Home Depot and how the remodeling industry is slowing down a little bit, uh, and so Home Depot sales are dropping off. Well, you know, we talked about that here on the show a couple years ago when the pandemic hit and everybody started remodeling their homes uh, to stay in them, uh, you know, because we were spending so much more time at the house during the pandemic, and there was just a ton of remodeling taking place, and a lot of it do-it-yourself type remodeling. Well, I said at that time, 
this will affect them in two to three years because you know there's only so many houses out there granted there's a ton of them but there is only so many houses out there and when there's stuff that drives people to do things like remodeling earlier than normal and and i say that because you know most people start thinking about anywhere from 10 to 20 years time to do some remodeling it depends on on how much remodeling uh bathrooms every 15 to 20 years kitchen 15 to 20 years uh, but painting and things like that yeah, usually every 10 years people are thinking about it well we had the same thing happen a few years ago with air conditioning systems there some just horrendous rebates were offered uh, tax credits and stuff to make homes more energy efficient that gave a false uptick in the number of ac systems sold that again after that was done dropped off and that's the same thing home depot and lowe's and all the remodeling stores are seeing there's a drop off it'll balance itself out again but you know the the problem is wall street looks at everything on a quarterly basis and they think every single corner should be or every single quarter should be an uptick and it doesn't work that way in the real world uh but you know if you're thinking about remodeling and looking for contractors and things like that they are starting to slow down a little bit as well and uh, it's not that the remodeling is slowing down but there's more remodelers in the pool again because as new construction has started to slow a little bit on new homes a lot of those guys are moving back into the remodeling realm a little advice here stick with remodelers who've been doing remodeling the whole time new construction builders typically don't make great remodelers they are used to going in on a clean slate and doing everything from the ground up remodelers they're used to going in and matching in to what's there so it doesn't look like they ever had anything done you know that you never had anything done to your house and so if you're looking at doing a remodeling to your home i would stick with the guys who have been doing the remodeling all along not the ones who jumped out and went over to new construction because it was easier and and all that stuff because what that tells you is when it comes time to match something up at your house that's difficult it probably won't come out all that good so just just a, a little tidbit of information there uh, don't be concerned if, if you got stock in home depot and lowe's or any of these other uh large companies who do remodeling and stuff it will balance itself out and it really isn't going to take all that long one last tidbit yes prices have come down a little bit as well as more contractors move back into remodeling that will drive prices down a little bit but some of the costs on from the shipping and different things like that have come back down a little bit because fuel prices have gone down uh, the biggest thing that affects the um, transportation is the cost of diesel and diesel has come down the cost of transporting the products to the stores has come down as well and that helps lower the the price of everything for us just a reminder it's a huge help if you subscribe to rate and review the podcast it helps people find us we're going to head out to aubrey and mike how are you today Doing well, Mr. Dutton. Thank you for taking my call. 
I have a uh, little project that I want to undertake, and it's to put a small pad where I can put just a little shed that will just house tools and a lawnmower. That's it. Okay. So this this little pad next, but I want to put it up against the the foundation of my house. Okay. What do I do to keep it from sliding away from the house in the future and 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 is concrete should I because some people have told me should I go with pavers oh you still with pavers it's easier you know and so I don't know I'm I'm looking for some input on that. Well, it, 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 is the ground on a slope? It yeah because I you know we're on these we're in this neighborhood and we got kind of ten foot setbacks or fifteen foot I'm on a pie shaped lot so okay you know it's wider as you go to the back but there is you know it does it does slope you know between me and my neighbor the fence. You know, the fence line. It does have a – I haven't actually got out there with a level and get it, but I bet it's 8 to 10 inches over okay. a couple no, of feet. Okay, nothing major, though. Yeah, nothing major, right. Yeah, so the, the easiest way to, to make sure it doesn't slide, I'm going to give you two ways to do it. How big a shed do you want to make? So this is going to be approximately, uh, say, 3 by 5. It's not going to be very big. Okay. And I actually already bought it. It's one of these plastic resins. Actually, my wife bought it. She brought it home and said, hey, put this up. I said, okay. I don't want to put it out in the middle of the yard. And she said, okay. Okay. Well, you know, if, you, if you're worried about the, the uh, slab trying to slide on you, basically dig a, a footing, uh, dig a beam, just like a house would have. And okay. the deeper you go into the ground, the less likely it is to be able to slide. On something like this, I probably wouldn't go more than eight inches into the ground, to be honest with you. Uh, then, if you wanted to have double uh, insurance, you have a beam on the house side as well. So you might as well put a beam all the way around this concrete piece. And you drill into the uh, existing foundation alternating directions up and down. So you drill from the top down, you drill from the bottom up. And you put rebar in there. That locks the two slabs together. The the footing on the other side keeps it from trying to slide down the hill, and it'll never separate. So, how far into the into my present you know slab do I need to drill? Oh, I, I typically go about six inches is all. Okay, that's not too bad. So just alternate it with an angle of say twenty degrees or something up yep. and down. Yep. And then just, do I have to anchor the heat rebar with anything? Or? Yeah, you can. It's not really totally necessary for something like this. Uh, just make sure that the, that the hole you drill uh, is pretty close to the size of the rebar. And basically what you'll do is you'll slit, hammer the rebar into it, and then you just bend it so it's down into your concrete. Um, and the whole purpose of the angles is if you go straight in, it can pull straight out when it's pulling away but if you angle it now you've got it anchored it can't pull straight out okay that sounds very reasonable <laughs> I, I will tell you i did a, an addition on on one of my houses years ago and i even laid tile over that joint and never cracked i followed that house for eight years after i did that Okay. Well, that was my next question. Do I need to put some type of bonding agent against the slab? Because the slab is not very exposed, so the cement will just go right to it, and that's fine. Yep. 
Okay. And then, um, and so I'm, I'm talking about what I need to be about four inches thick throughout the three by five slab, but you're saying to Correct. trench around the, the, the perimeter to about the depth of eight inches. And do I need to be how wide in that trench? Uh, that typically pretty? I'm going to go about 10 inches. 10 inches wide. Okay. And do, I was just going to put, you know, wire mesh in that cause it's not much weight, you know, just yeah. this plastic, but it doesn't weigh anything. But do I, would you, I, I, always, do rebar use number, I always use number three rebar. It, okay, that's it, what it I'll do. It doesn't cost any more, uh, and quite frankly, that's it's a little true. easier to put in. But you're able to center it in the concrete better, and it holds the concrete together better. Okay, and just lay a, a, a cross pattern yep. kind of in that 3 by 5 inch on okay. center each direction. All right, that's, that's what I want to know. All righty. Well, thank you, got, thank it you so like much. To me, uh, you know, uh, not not to sound like your wife, but you know it's a three day weekend next weekend. <laughs> how did you know that was only what you put on my calendar? <laughs> because I'm laying floors next weekend. That's how I knew. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, if it makes her happy, that's the main thing. So we'll there get it go. we'll get it done. Hopefully it won't take me it won't take me all the three days. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Howard, how can I help you? Hey Jim, I've got about a twenty five year old toilet that you know, becoming more frequently, I have to plunge it, you know, and then run several times and have to plunge it again, thinking about getting a new toilet and looking at the varieties of toilets that are available, I'm overwhelmed. So I was wondering if you could give me some comments on features and things that you look for in a toilet and what you really want. I want comfort. Uh, so for me, I'm I'm going to get the uh, higher sitting toilets, uh, you know, the, not quite the ADA height, but there's one in between the low and the uh, ADAs, uh, and that, that typically uh, work best, and I like the oval bowl. So as far as brands, uh, you can take a look at American Standard. They make some really good ones. Uh, so does Kohler, obviously. Uh, so th those are typically the two brands that I stick with. There are some less expensive ones out there, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for one that's going to last and, and uh, flush properly. And that, that really becomes the big issue with them. Right. And, and the, the flush mechanism is what I'm really interested in. You've got the gravity feed ones and you've got the, the ones that are the, the pressure yeah container in there do you do you need the pressure container or gravity work good enough i i have never uh been a fan of the pressure ones to be honest with you uh i always go with the gravity okay now, well, thank you very much I'm, that, I'm, that and, and, and i and i guess i'm going to say why you know when you use that pressure one it, everything comes out so fast it, it already when you flush a toilet it releases a lot of uh, crud into the air. And when you hit that pressure one, it really tends to splash stuff up. And I just don't like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, appreciate your comments. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. You bet. Take care. Had an email came in a couple days ago from Charlotte in New Caney. And she has water standing under her house. She says, every time it rains, water stands under my house, and I know that can't be good for the plywood. What is the best way to stop this? Is there a material I can build a berm wall? 
with? Well, that's probably not the best way to stop it because you'll never make a wall like that to be watertight. Um, if the ground under your home is lower than the ground around your home, just through capillary action, the water is going to go under your home and settle there. So uh, that that would have to be addressed first. And if the ground under the home is lower than the ground around the home, the best thing to do is regrade under the home and typically slope all the soil to one spot where you can put a sump pump and pump the water out. Uh, because you'll never keep the water from going underneath if the ground's lower. Now, if the ground is the same level as the soil outside, then there's other things you can start doing. Uh, you you know you can take a look at uh, regrading to get water further away from the home, stuff like that. But you are a hundred percent right. You want to get the moisture out from under the home. You don't want standing water there at all. And it's not only bad for the plywood but your floor joist and beams and such will rot with that high humidity as well. Now, once you t uh, take care of the drainage itself so you don't have standing water, you need to take a secondary look at do you need to have better ventilation in order to dry it out some underneath there. And in some cases, you just need temporary ventilation. Other cases, you need to put a more permanent system in that uh, – you know, moves air because the the higher humidity underneath, again, is what causes problems. And never, ever put insulation in a crawl space like this, uh, especially if you got that high humidity going from standing water and such. The insulation will hold moisture and it will cause wood rot. If you're going to insist on putting some type of insulation, the only thing I recommend is a spray foam closed cell so it does not take on any moisture and hold it against the wood. But fiberglass is an absolute no underneath a crawl space home. And I know a lot of uh, engineers and building codes and stuff are calling for that right now. It is just a huge mistake. Uh, the biggest repair jobs that that I do on these block and base houses is because of that insulation underneath there, holding moisture and just rotting everything out, and it does it rapidly. So uh, please don't don't do that. When we left, I was just getting started with Pat, and Pat is looking at moving out of state. Uh, did you say Tennessee? Yes. Well, at least it's a T state. That's that's a that's a good thing. Yes, to the Smoky Mountains. Yeah, it's gorgeous there. You'll you'll love it there. But <clears throat> let's talk about your house real quick. Well, so, my, I'm widowed, so I'm <laughs> all my opinions are on my own after my husband passed away about thirty years ago, okay. and um, I have been getting many letters, and my house is paid for, and. Um, I've been getting a lot of letters for this buy your house as is, and uh, my house was built in 1985, and it, so it needs, um, you know, flooring and uh, painting and all that, and I was wondering what the um, difference would be into them buying my house as is or me doing the upgrades. Well, 
typically those places that are reaching out to you that way, they're trying to buy your house dirt cheap. Uh, they're, yeah. they're not really trying to go uh, market pricing. I, truthfully, my recommendation is, on a house, especially built in 1985, yeah, it may need some some new stuff, but the the cr- structure itself is is still good. Um, might need some modernization, but that would be about it, right? I mean, floors and and you know painting and stuff like that. That's just routine maintenance stuff. So, if you want to get top dollar for it, you would do those items. But truthfully, in today's environment you're still able to list one that needs those things and get some pretty good money for it, uh, especially out in the Conroe area because a lot of people are wanting to move up into that corridor. Oh, it's booming. Yeah, so uh, my recommendation would not be to uh, uh, take one of those that are sending you stuff in the mail. I would get with a local realtor, let them go through the house and tell you, uh, what they would list it for, and see what you can get for it that way. Then you can ask one of those other places, um, you know, well, what would you offer me? And you can make the determination, you know, if it's worth taking their offers or not, but at least you've got numbers to deal with. But traditionally, what's going to happen is somebody will come in and look and say, okay, if the house was, I'm going to use easy numbers for me to deal with, but let's Thank say the house you. is worth uh $200,000 if it's all fixed up. And somebody's going to look at it and say, okay, so I need to put 20000 into flooring and paint. That puts me at $180,000. i have got uh, countertops that I'll probably take a look at redoing. We'll say that puts me at $175,000. I'll offer you $150,000. That, that's normally the, the, the kind of deals that are, are taking place when it's negotiating but right now real estate is still on the hot side it's slowed down some but it hasn't disappeared completely uh and that's why i'm saying i i would get with the realtor let them come out and take a look because you know what was happening is you'd list that house for it, it say all fixed up it's that same two hundred thousand. you'd list it for 180 and and somebody's going to come and offer you 190 and the house is gone right Oh, that helps me so much. You wouldn't believe. <laughs> I depend on y'all's help for helping all around my house and stuff. So I really, really appreciate you. Oh, not a problem at all. And if you have other questions, you just feel free to give me a call. Oh, I will. <laughs> all righty. Take care, Pat. Bye-bye. Bye. And again, our number seven one three two one two five eight seven four. And let, let's be upfront: real estate is slowing down. This trend is starting to turn, but she's in a hot area, and in that area, I think she'll still get away with, uh, you know, getting top dollars for her house, even though uh, it it maybe needs some work done to it. Hello, Bob. Yeah, say I uh, I wanted to just comment real quick. This is not why I called, but the lady that called about. Selling her house, don't uh-huh. these people off the client. The big trick, my mother did that, and the big trick is she has to make sure that there's a date at which they're going to give her the money if she deals with them. What they pulled on my mother and pulled on others is if you leave that blank on the form, the buyer never notices it. And 
then they just kind of never get around to giving her the money until somebody buys the house. Oh, so what happens yeah. is they never put a nickel out, right? She's still, she's never been paid, uh, and they've got the house, they've worked on the house, they sell the house, you know, and they yep. haven't totally got as their improvement money in it. So if she deals with somebody like that, they have to make sure that the, uh, the day in which she's going to get money paid to her is in writing and not left blank. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Well, the other and thing I think, she, about, she, I think in her case, she would do better with just a realtor selling it for her. But Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But, you know, I, I was talking about with the, on the Ready Seal spot there about how the kids could uh, do the staining of the fence. And I know a lot of people think, oh, I don't, I don't want my kids to have to work with their hands and stuff. You know, uh, people can make, a lot of times, more money working with their hands nowadays than they can going to college and racking up a bunch of uh, college debt. And I got nothing against kids going to college. I, I put three kids through college myself. And, uh, you know, two of them are engineers. Uh, the other one has a, a great sales position uh, with United Rentals. But... Uh, there is nothing wrong with working with your hands. All three of my kids had to learn to work with their hands because that was the um, requirement for me to pay for them to go to college. So let them tr let them learn some of that stuff. It, it gives them a sense of pride and the ability to uh, work on stuff down the road as they get older. And I am going to begin with an email question that came in. Uh, it came from Gabe in Rosenberg, and uh, I just thought it was a good one to start with today because he says, uh, Hi, Jim. I have a home which was built in 1955. The house is 1,700 square feet. Currently, the home has the original windows, no radiant barrier, and no insulation in the walls that I am aware of. There is some blown-in insulation in the attic. During the summers, I frequently have energy bills above $400. What would be the best starting point to improve the efficiency of this home, focusing on lowering the electric bill and the best return on investment? Radiant barrier? Question mark. Thanks for your time. You are a wealth of information. Well, Gabe, you gave me a good topic to start with here on the show today. So... You know, whether the house is built in 1955 or the house was built in 1995, uh, typically the place I'm going to start is with a radiant barrier. It's the least expensive and typically gives you the biggest return or quickest return on the investment. Now, a house that has absolutely no insulation in the attic, I would have said let's put some in attic insulation in first. Uh, but if you have some insulation in the attic already, and let's just say you got six inches, that's way below what's, what uh, is normal. But I'm going to tell you, my house, and I say this all the time, it's 3,000 square feet. Uh, I have about uh, 25, 30 percent of my house with no insulation. The part that does have insulation in the attic is only well, roughly six inches thick. I put the Energy Q radiant barrier down on the attic floor. And I'm running an electric bill in the summer months of about $200. So it makes a huge difference. Uh, so that's where I would begin. Uh, because you're typically talking months to get your payback, you know, for everything you would invest in the radiant barrier. But again, 
if you have no insulation, go ahead and put some insulation in. Now, the Energy Q radiant barrier lays on top of the insulation in the attic. So it keeps the heat that is in the attic from getting into the living space. So that's where I would begin. Now, after that, then I would take a look at replacement windows. Uh, and, and the reason for that, the windows are going to be the second spot that you're going to lose the most energy out of. You know, in the winter months, you're getting a lot of cold air coming in those windows. In the summer months, the heat, you're losing your air conditioner out through the windows. So it just makes sense to, to hit the windows next. Uh, and, you know, there's a, a lot of different window companies out there. I get it. It can be expensive. After you got the windows done... Your next investment should be in insulation in the walls. Uh, yeah, I'm. Why? Because again, that's going to be your biggest bang for the buck at that point. Now, if you go out of this order, and you can go out of this order. I mean, you can do different things at different times. It does change a little bit. You know how big a bang you're going to get for these different items, but. You know, I'm looking at the dollars that you put into them and how fast you're going to get your money back. So insulation in the walls would be my third item. You're not going to want to tear all the sheetrock out and all that to, in order to put, you know, fiberglass or any type of regular insulation in the walls. So what I would take a look at is the non-expansive foam insulation. And basically what they do is they'll drill a a hole in the wall from the outside usually, but they can do it from the inside depending on your siding. But if it's brick veneer, they're going to do it from the outside through where the mortar lines are. They insert a tube and pump in a non-expansive foam insulation that fills that cavity. Even if you have a little insulation in the walls, you can do this. But a house built in 55, unless somebody added insulation later, it doesn't have any insulation in it. Uh, now, that's going to serve twofold. One, uh, yes, it's going to insulate the home and you know make it more energy efficient, but it's also going to seal up air gaps. And so you're not going to feel the cold air coming in like you did before as well. Uh, the, the reason I'm not going to tell you that you got to worry about ventilation, you didn't, I didn't have you put foam in the attic. Leave the attic with the regular insulation and the radiant barrier. That's the energy efficiency you need, but it keeps the house where it's breathable. So that gives you the, the best of all worlds on that. Then, after you've done all the other stuff, then you can start looking at the HVAC system. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to recommend replacing that air conditioning system until it's wore out. Now, at any given time while you're doing these different things, your AC system could wear out, and at that point you want to replace it. But here's the reason I put the air conditioning system last. One, it's going to be the most expensive component to do. Uh, two, it's not only going to be the most expensive, but it changes the most with these other items. So if you size the air conditioning system before you do the radiant barrier, the windows, and insulation, it's going to be a much larger system, which adds again to the cost. But it also makes it, when you do these other items, it makes it oversized. So it really won't perform the way you want it to. Yes, it'll cool the house, 
but it's not going to control the humidity well enough. So if you do these other items first, the AC system then will end up being a little bit smaller. That saves you money on the purchase of the system. And it'll do a better job then of controlling humidity, which makes the house a whole lot more comfortable. And so all these things combined, that'll drop that energy bill way down. But again, your biggest bang, it's going to be that radiant barrier. You know, you'll you'll spend, oh, I don't know, probably uh, you said it was a 1,700 square feet. So you're going to need two rolls of the Energy Q radiant barrier. So, uh, you know, I'm around numbers, $2,000. Uh, windows, you got to just count the number of windows. Uh, round number, figure $600 a window. Insulation in the walls, hey, that just depends on... Um, you know, how, how many walls and stuff, but 1,700 square foot. I am guessing here 6,500 to 8,000 on that. And an air conditioning system, again, size will make the difference, whether you got to put in ductwork, uh, whether, you know, what all's got to be changed out will make a difference on it. But you can figure you're probably going to end up spending... Oh, anywhere from ten to seventeen thousand, depending on the unit you choose and what's got to be done to install it. Uh, so there, there's kind of round numbers on on putting it together. And, and the reason I threw all those other numbers at you, your your electric bill right now is four hundred dollars a month. How long does it take? Let's just say we cut that electric bill from four hundred to. $175 a month. So that's only a savings of 125 I'm sorry, of $225. That don't go very far on all, all these items. That's the reason I say start with that radiant barrier, save that air conditioning system until the old system has worn out. And the other items, hey, the windows are going to make your house look better and make it more energy efficient. The insulation in the walls, that's just going to make the house more comfortable, more energy efficient, and it will help with the sound from outside as well. So there's an order, and it, like you said, it doesn't matter if the house was built in 1955 like this one or 1995. That's the order that I would take a look at uh, doing the house up. Gloria in Kingwood, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you. How can I Yesterday. help you today? Okay. Yesterday, my AC was not cooling, and uh, a friend of mine was jogging down the street and heard a noise coming from my AC, so I went out and heard it, and I just turned my system off. Today, I had somebody come out and look at it, and they said that I needed to have a new compressor and new fan, and they said, actually, there was nothing wrong with the compressor, but due to the uh, new regulation on the uh, free, not R, is it R22? Uh -huh. that you can't use anymore but to get the new new coolant i have to have a new compressor and um so i wanted to talk to you about that why do you need the new coolant if the compressor is not bad i don't know yeah That's you don't what they said they said the fan i saw i actually went out and looked at the fan my my ac is a train okay sincere. And it's a it's about uh, 15, 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Never had never had any problems with it. 
and uh, I think we added some Freon periodically. But but anyway, uh, I went out and looked at it to this morning when he was here, and the, he told me the fan was causing a problem, so I went back in and turned it off at his direction, uh-huh. and then he took it apart and started going through it, and that's what he came up with, that I needed a new fan and that my compressor supposedly wasn't putting out what it's supposed to and that for me to get the new coolant put in, I'd have to get a new compressor. Okay. If the compressor's not working the way it's supposed to, um, he is correct that you would have to, to upgrade all that. But if the compressor is still working, uh, there's no reason to change it out just because it's R22. You can okay. still get R22. Does it cost a few bucks to get? Absolutely. But, uh, you know, that's it's still a heck of a lot less expensive than a than a new system. The, blo- well, the fan is about $200 a pound. Yeah. But, you know, unless the system is drained out completely, uh, I'm sure. Did they quote you how much that, that new one's going to cost? To get it to get it fixed to to replace the, the to, to replace the fan and the compressor he told me thirty one hundred dollars. Okay. And you're still going to have and, an old and you're still going to have an old system at that. I guess. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the the attic unit's still going to be the same. Your coils are still the same outside. That's typically not something I would recommend uh, on on a system that's as old as yours is. If that compressor, like I said, if the compressor is working, I would leave that compressor there, change out the fan motor. If the compressor is not working, honestly, you need to be looking at a a total replacement rather than 3,100 into that existing system. And I I say that... He he told me a new system would be $15,000. It, it very well may be, but the problem you're going to run into, the old R22 system, it's a lot more than just changing out the compressor. Uh, all the the whole system throughout is is designed for R22, not the new coolants and the pressures that they operate under. And it, you'll change it out, and if they didn't clean everything thoroughly inside the way it, it needs to be done... Um, it'll fail within months. And even if they do do that and and uh, and recondition it and put it back together, you're not looking at getting more than two years out of that system. It, it's, it, it just won't hold up to the pressures that the new coolants operate under. Mm-hmm. Well, so. I just don't want to spend $15,000. Oh, I get it. Yeah, and that's the reason I keep going back to, you know, if the compressor is working, and, and you know, that was what you originally said is the compressor is still working, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just wearing out. If that compressor is still working, I would not change it out. I would change my blower motor. That alone mm-hmm. will buy you the time and then start looking at, you know, what you want to do down the road. And, you know... I understand the the cost difference that thirty one hundred to she was quoted to fifteen thousand for a replacement unit. I get it; it's it's a lot of money. But in some cases, you know, if that compressor, like I said, is is still working, don't change it out because if you put in the new 
compressor, you put in the new coolants into the system, it will not hold up like it, uh, a new system will. Like You'll get a couple years at best out of it, and you're still going to end up having to put in a new system. So sometimes you have to, to bite the bullet. But if the compressor is good, you change out the blower motor and you move on. Don't worry about the coolants. Uh, too many people are trying to use the change out of the coolants as a selling technique. And there is still absolutely nothing wrong with having your AC system use R22. You can't buy new systems with it. You can't even, in, in a lot of cases, get replacement parts anymore for it. Uh, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with keeping it as long as the system is still running. So, uh, you know, because sometimes I get people who will call and want to change out their system simply because it has the R22. And that's not a, really not a, a good use of You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.